What's up, everybody? Dan here. Just wanted to let you know that this episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast is sponsored by Jungle Television, which is uh, gourmet art and streetwear drawn and screen printed by hand here in Portland, Oregon. And uh, these designs are amazing. So good. Um, I have so many jungle television t-shirts They're They're some of the, uh, my favorite stuff that I wear. You can usually find Alex, the, uh, the mind behind it all at Saturday market here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, but I will put the, uh, the links in the episode notes so you can follow jungle television and, and, uh, maybe purchase something for yourself online i encourage you to uh to check it out because these designs are are very next level and uh always blown away with this stuff and uh on top of designing his own jungle television stuff alex also designs tons of uh stuff for local portland artists and and those outside of the city as well as far as some of their merch so uh like i said the link will be in the episode notes as well as uh, a twenty percent offer code, if you uh, if you put in the offer code DCP, you'll get twenty percent off of your next Jungle Television order. So uh, don't be afraid to use that. And uh, let's start the show. Look down at the uh, What is happening, party people? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program. Once again, if this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes and clicking write a review. You say a few nice words. You give the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel the podcast in the tops of those iTunes charts, which will help strangers find the thing and uh, just give it more visibility on the national and international levels and uh, just a great way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing and uh, getting more exposure for the folks who come on it. So appreciate the hell out of all the people that have taken the time to do so and uh, appreciate you tuning in. You can also check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features in-studio performances and live show performances um, from over the last four years, kind of spreads out across all genres from singer-songwriter stuff to jazz and hip-hop. So tune into that thing. Give that a subscribe if you want to know when the fresh videos are hitting the feed there. DanCablePresents.com is the central location to find everything and uh, where the new episode hits every Friday as soon as it's available. But if you just click subscribe wherever you're listening to from, then you don't have to... Uh, you don't have to go searching for the thing every Friday, and it will uh, it will just pop into your feed when it is available. So, uh, you know, you could go ahead, and you could do that. 
You can also uh, check check out the at Dan Kibble Presents on Instagram. That is uh, where I'm most active trying to spread the word about all the things going on. Dan Cable presents and otherwise maybe some home baking, you know, who knows what you're going to see on that story. So, uh, I will put all the links in the episode notes as well. Uh, for my guest who is, uh, Antoine Martel, a good friend of mine who, uh, performs under the name sous chef. He is, uh, an incredible musician. It's funny. So at a certain point in this conversation, Antoine talks about um, that there are plenty of better players that uh, people could take lessons from because that is one of Antoine's um, weekly deals that he does is is he gives guitar and and piano lessons and uh is is teaching some folks how to use ableton and things of that nature as well but uh it's just funny to me that that he said that on this podcast because anytime i've ever seen this dude play music it just completely blows my mind his uh his abilities especially on the keys his guitar playing is insane too um but yeah, on the keys, I just I just have no idea what's going on uh, a lot of the time when I'm when I'm watching him and and he's just he's one of these musicians that just absolutely blows my mind and and uh, somebody that I've had the opportunity to form a friendship with over the last it's got to be close to ten years. I know it's not quite there, but I've been in Portland almost seven. Uh, Tuan is uh, based out of Seattle and lives with my cousin uh rob who i do the uh i dig records podcast with which has been coming out on this feed um but he lives with him and uh, they've been playing in bands together since high school and so that's how i met antoine was back when uh their new lungs band came through the los angeles area and uh, a couple of them ended up staying with me and I went to a couple of the shows that they played in the area. I got to open for them on <laughs> one of the shows, which was cool. But uh, yeah, that's how I met Antoine and uh, just a dude that I got along with real well from the get go. And I always really enjoy seeing him, especially with him and my cousin living together. Anytime I go up there, I get to uh, spend some some time with with him as well, and that's always really dope. He's such a good fucking dude, and like I said, just an unreal musician and composer, and uh, just someone I always really enjoy talking about anything with. I feel like he he uh, great dude to roll one up with and and shoot the shit. So. Stoked to have him back on the podcast. He came on, uh, I don't know, in those first hundred episodes. I want to say maybe maybe ended up somewhere in the 80s. And uh, that is where we kind of cover more music background stuff. So if you want to search back, if you enjoy this one, and you want to hear more of uh, Antoine and I hanging out, you can look up the Sous Chef episode on... Um, on all the stream like podcast platforms um except for itunes because they only go back 
the last hundred is what is stored there. So you won't find it there. But if you go to Podomatic or if you just search Dan Cable Presents and Sous Chef, you should be able to find it. But like I said, I'll put all the links in the episode notes. Um, it was really cool to talk to Antoine about this project he's been working on. It's it's these COVID diaries. And uh, it was just this, this idea. And he goes in more depth to explain it. But basically what he's been doing is he has been reaching out to uh, people that he knows that are living in different parts of the country or different parts of the world. There are some in different languages. And he just has them um, answer a couple a few questions every week and he records what they're saying and then he puts um, what they have said to him to music that he has composed and um, and it's just this weekly cap of, of what their lives are like and how this uh, this virus and the current state of things is affecting their day to day and it's a it's a really cool way to kind of capture people's uh experience in in just this uh very human way and uh just just very cool to to hear people going through these different emotions and um shifts in perspective and whatnot so there's tons of them up there i think one of the more interesting ones is possibly the one um with michael because he works in a hospital so that's a pretty pretty cool look into that um the cool thing is this is like this open source so this is going to keep going week to week antoine is still doing this thing um just recording people's messages and and figuring out how to put the music together and like i said um in the episode he will go in more depth about about how this whole system works but it's also cool because other people have started recording their own as well so it's just this incredibly big source of uh people's accounts thus far through this thing that he intends on keeping it going until things go back to normal or whatever that whatever normal is for the future. So I'm excited to share this conversation I had with him about that amongst other things. And um, just before we get into it, do want to remind you that a new episode, a new volume of I Dig Records, the before mentioned podcast that I do with Rob Bobby Grooves, Grantfeld, uh, has been released. And that is in this feed as well. And we had a killer time chatting about knowledge and his Meek Mill tapes, Volume 1 and Volume 5. And we also talked about Raylan Baxter's Good Morning record, which is his tribute to Mac Miller. And uh, that is available. Super fun hang with, uh, with Rob. And we'll be back um, trying to release those every other week. So, so, so far successful for April. Two of them have dropped this month. And... Um, Look for two more in May to come come at you, come your way. And uh, like I said, all the links in the episode notes, I will place them there. So you can follow up on these these COVID diaries as if this is something up your alley. If you if you dig some uh, some NPR, some This American Life, this is this is uh, that very much. Uh, I think is that vibe and what I got out of listening to. Uh, 
to a few of these it's, uh, pretty interesting stuff. And uh, like I said, I was just always dig talking with uh, with Tuan and uh, really appreciate the fuck out of him and uh, just his his process and uh, all the different music that he dives into is uh, is pretty wild. So give him a follow. And uh, if you're looking to take some some lessons, some guitar lessons, some some keys, whatever you need, you should also hit up this dude because he's doing everything uh, virtually right now. And and he is, uh, like I said before, he is an unreal musician. And uh, I think we should I think we should get into this thing. Um, we're going to do it. Don't forget to leave your iTunes reviews. Can't stress the importance of those enough. And uh, hope you're being safe out there, staying sane. Episode 212 coming at you. Sous Chef is on the show. Mountaineer Mike, hey how you doing, buddy? Good Where buddy. are you at? I'm right over we're here. Ready to do the thing over here. Shit, yeah, let's do this thing, buddy. <laughs> and uh, we're going to kick it off with um, with a track from the COVID Diaries done by Sous Chef. And this is, um, this is the Allison account and this is week four and five on this track here so this is uh this is it everybody strap in for some covid diaries let's do the damn thing yeah oh man the plans for my forthcoming two weeks that always gets me i actually just legitimately got nervous about (laughs) that's so funny um so let's see since we last spoke, uh, last two weeks, I would say, okay, so if I'm remembering correctly, I think the last time I talked to you, I was like, week three has been kind of a bummer. Um, and so I would say that that, that kind of bled a little bit in week four. Like, I was just feeling, um, I think I expressed this last time, but I think some of like the shock and the novelty of quarantining had worn off, and I just was feeling a—I uh, mean, I won't—I won't mince words. I was just feeling sad about everything that's going on, um, and yeah, in this last week has looked up a lot. Um, I think I've just clicked into this like get busy, get her done mode. Um, I've been making a lot of headway on the remodel project I'm doing. Just a little, you know, just little projects around the house. Um, some personal creativity has been kind of kicking back in, which feels really good. So, yeah, this last week has this last week has been pretty, um, pretty good. You know, I don't know if it's like a stride that I hit that I'm going to stay in for a while, but it feels really good for right now. And um, I think, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but I've been um, going once a week to the food bank here in town to help help uh, help hand out food. Um, and that's been a really nice thing to be able to do. It kind of like breaks up my week and uh, feels really good to like get out and do something that feels constructive and hopefully helpful. Um, and it's just really amazing. There's this little food bank here in town that is just a really awesome. They do a really good job. Um, 
and it's staffed by like I didn't tell you this last week, did I? I don't think so. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's staffed by a bunch of folks that are, you know, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and so quite a few of them um, wanted to stop working or had family members that were kind of pressuring them to stop working during this whole thing um, because, you know, everyone there is doing the best they can to you know, wear a mask they kind of and stay away from each other but still it's like it's a fairly fairly enclosed it's like a smallish space and um so it's it's definitely like the most exposed and exposing thing i feel like i do all week um but anyways i think I, i'm getting at um the fact that there's like all these older folks that usually run the food bank but many of them can't do it right now so there is a need for more people to come help and there's also just higher um there's like a higher number of people that are signed up to come to the food bank now. Um, and because they cannot come in to get the food as they normally do, um, we, we take the food out to them, which has been a really fun experience because I essentially like walk outside and like greet people that are coming up um, and I take their order, you know, with like a little clipboard and I have a list of things that we're offering. And so it kind of feels like, yeah, it kind of feels like working, um, in the service industry you know being able to like get people what they want hopefully um or what they need um and so that's been a really really eye-opening experience because there's quite a few people that are coming to the food bank that i don't think have ever come before um so yeah that's been something i've been really enjoying um it feels like a good way to participate and uh yeah, um, I'm just trying to think of like any cool stories, you know, um, I, I think going back to kind of feeling like the heaviness of what's going on, um, I had this man um, who I was talking to at the food bank, he was coming up to pick up some food and we were chatting for a little while and he just said something that kind of stuck with me, but he was like, yeah, I think people aren't really fully processing, you know, like the loss that's happening in certain places in the country and he mentioned that um, the one thing he thinks about every day he's like think of all these people who are just um, who are dying because of this and uh, their their memories just being kind of like pulled pulled away suddenly just like snuffed out and he said it in a much more articulate way but I just um, you know it kind of sat with me for the rest of the week just sort of feeling that that reality <clears throat> but yeah I mean shit aside from like just the obvious heaviness of what's going on I've been enjoying this last week and having some opportunity to get outside and you know walk um, see some folks from a distance and you know one cool thing I've noticed in this whole uh, quarantine world is that um, people are getting out and about in this town and like just doing a lot of walk-ins so there's a good chance you're going to run into somebody and be, be able to have like a little catch-up from across the street so that's been real sweet to kind of have that small town vibe um yeah just still tipping away still tipping away all my projects here at the house and like uh looking forward to going back to the food bank day after tomorrow
You ready to do this thing? Love it. Ready to go. Um, stoked to chat it up with you, catch up with you, uh, and see see how your uh, your isolation is going. Your quarantining up there in uh, in Seattle, Washington, and uh, talk to you about this project that you've uh, that you've been working on and, and releasing some tunes from and it looks like it's sort of this uh this collective effort to to put some of these together so talk to me about uh these covid19 diaries and where this this idea sparked from totally uh the idea came from actually one of the uh, people who i guess you could say is like a subject of a covid diary allison um we used to work together as construction workers uh, but she also is a documentary filmmaker and kind of has a lot of a lot of hands and lots of creative projects. So um, she's just kind of somebody who's nice to talk to on the phone. I don't know. I feel we were kind of bonding one day about how when we just talk on the phone, we both kind of come up with ideas. Like it just kind of, you know, just bouncing off each other is easy. So then the other, both people kind of come out with like, oh, I'm going to do this now. Um so that yeah. this one sort of developed from that. We were just kind of like talking. She was telling me about something she was working on. I was like, oh, well, I could do something kind of like that, but like with just sound, and then I can make like original music. But oh, wow, like that's an idea, you know? And, um, and yeah, it was kind of trying to figure out a way to to track what's going on with this very unusual experience, right? Um, and because, I don't know, I felt as though... It kind of stemmed from um, a dislike of the news and a dislike of uh, trying to like inform myself through traditional media um, because you know it's just a mess now, especially. I mean, it's always been kind of a mess, yeah. but now it's, it's like just it's apparently rough, like a mess. Like it's just very in your face that it's a mess. Um, so yeah, I was, you know, I, I think that was one of that. that what you say? that was uh, that was one of the interesting things about listening to some of these is you dig into i think it's like maybe the second week of elliot's or or something maybe it's the first and he he talks about you know watching news and and how that is affecting his mindset and just how how that can create a lot of hysteria for yourself because there's so much of it coming out every day like you can just you can just watch news all day on this you know and see death tolls rising and and you know problems with finding cures or what the what the actual situation is and whatnot so yeah that's that's a, like a lot of the hysteria is built into that exactly and it's just like you know and i, I always think back on um i remember seeing this great video at one point maybe like four or five years ago about uh like a, i think it was like a british woman who by herself um went on a trip and ran the entire length of afghanistan um, at a time where Afghanistan was considered to be a war zone and she did it by herself with no security of any kind. She expressed that she only encountered wonderful people the entire trip at no point. Did she feel in danger or anything like that? Right. Which like, sure, she was taking a big risk, but also like that goes to show, right. We see these news articles about like, this place is crazy. And yet like right at the same place, like it's, it's, that's not true. It's not really like everything is falling apart ever. It's, you know, life is far more, uh, it's this, this microscope on like the bad things. And then you forget that like it's what's well, a more complex, yeah. large picture, you know? So I, I you know, I, it kind of took me back to kind of like being in school and being like, well, you know, they always said that like uh, primary source documents 
are the most reliable, right? When you have like just kind of direct information from somebody going through it. So why don't I just make a bunch of primary source documents about just like people living the experience and like every week checking in and like by the end of it, I'll actually, I'll have some kind of collection of information that I've, you know, I feel is reliable in a way that maybe media has a hard time to be because it's just this kind of like honest retelling of many, many perspectives um, right. Of, of the same kind of event, but from so many angles that then like the, it's kind of like the meta narrative is the part that, um, is, is what is like, that's where the, the, the global kind of the conclusions can be drawn from, but it's because you have so many little individual narratives that you can find hopefully something that works collectively for the whole, but yeah. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think the thing about doing some doing it that way is you're you're collecting this data and these accounts of people that don't have any sort of agenda no it's just like the questions are the same the the question is what did you do this week how did COVID affect your life because of it what are your plans for next week every week same questions just like they talk really yeah so that would that was that was the structure for this thing you would just hop on the phone with these people. I remember, I think it's also part of Elliot's where he was just like, oh, this is such a trip that I'm just talking into white noise right now, you know? And yeah, exactly. Cause yeah, <laughs> it's just like, I, you know, we get on the phone, I put the phone on speakerphone, put it next to the mic and I'm like, all right, same questions as usual. How was your week? How did COVID or quarantine affect that? And what are your plans for next week? And like anything else you hear is just what the person feels like talking about that day. Um, and you know, whatever, whatever yeah. mood you catch them in, you know? So it's kind of, uh, yeah. for sure. It's interesting. I'm definitely, I'm trying to avoid like leading kind of at all really to just sort of see, you know, it's like, these are very basic sort of, you know, uh, mundane questions. What did you do this week? What are you doing next week? You know, it's not like taken to stance, right. you know, <laughs> but like people just kind of let themselves speak freely. And that's, that's what interests me, the sort of naturalism of it. Yeah. And then you're again, like capturing just like a really honest account of this thing when you're not leading the conversation in any way. Yeah. I think that's the that ambition. helps with that as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, just kind of like go off, you know, talk about what you yeah. feel like, you know, and, and like some weeks yeah. I know Matt talks to me a lot in the COVID. He's like, I don't have anything to say. And I'm like, just don't worry Watson, about it. Watson Moon, Matt. Yeah. Watson Moon, Matt. Because uh, he, he's also creating COVID diaries now with me. So he's got like four people that he's following, but he's also the subject of one of mine. Um, and he, yeah. yeah, he's always like, oh, I don't, I feel like I don't have anything to say. And I'm like, no, that's, that's kind of the point. Like you just end up saying things because you don't feel like you have anything to say. And over time, like they're, they're more honest in that way, kind of, because it's like, well, you just, right. it's like, it's just your thoughts on that day. Like it has nothing to do with like, uh, it wasn't planned. It wasn't like a, a speech, you know, it's just kind of like, oh yeah, go for for it and like you know if you have like three weeks in a row where the person has nothing to say and then the fourth week something huge happens on the like scale of the album that's really interesting you know because that's like oh wow you know like there was this kind of rhythm to it of like oh there is this kind of you see the lulls you watch the person be like i have nothing interesting happened like i don't know what to say and then like three weeks later it's like oh my god like you know my friend is in the hospital or something and it's like okay that's that's the big change so that's kind of yeah yeah that is cool to capture it that way and and just uh you know just drawing on people that may not have anything exciting to say no 
just the mundane things and the the daily observations yeah and capturing things from like different parts of the country and 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 different countries yeah yeah even the, right that's so, the ambition yeah I, keeping it yeah. as, casting as wide a net as possible um yeah within mine i think what we got I'm covering four countries, I guess, on my stuff. Uh, or I guess five, technically, because Subasa and Yukari are split up right now. Uh, Subasa is in Hong Kong, Yukari is in Tokyo. And then I've got Michel, who's in France. And I've got some friends in Canada, and then the rest are all in the States, but kind of peppered around. Um, but yeah, to, for that reason, to try to get that like varied perspective. And I, I, don't know, I don't know if you're like this, but I, you know, I love like slow movies and stuff. I'm like one of these people, you know, maybe you could have an opinion about that. But like I find the mundanity of life often has so much intrigue. Like if, if you're, when you're observing yeah. somebody else's experience, like there's so much interest there, even when it's like, I went to the grocery store and like I bought some bread. Like you, there's, you, you can just draw so All of it's interesting, kind of like fundamentally sort of to me. So it, it doesn't, yeah, I'm like, just say whatever you want. I'm, I'm just interested to see where it goes. Yeah, there's characters everywhere. Yeah. Know, even going to the grocery store, the people you encounter. Oh, yeah. And, uh, like, I, I keep having this uh, <laughs> this interesting experience of most times I go to the... I, I shouldn't say most. The la- Two out of the last three times I went to the grocery store, there has been another patron of the store who has taken it upon themselves to tell other people in the store how this system is supposed to be working like they're doing it wrong and they <laughs> they know exactly what they're doing and like that's been really interesting it's like it's like yeah like everybody's just trying to figure this out i know that some things are very clearly marked of the amount of space that you sh- where you should be standing in line but you know everything else is a little wonky like yeah. walking through a safeway grocery store and there's arrows on each each lane that yeah. you're supposed to be going a certain and like, it's like, if I'm halfway is, down the aisle, like, can I not turn back like a quarter yeah. aisle to like go back and like grab something I forgot? Like what is going right. on? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I don't think that you would necessarily ever see an employee of that store enforce no. a rule like that. No. Because it, it's, it's really just to like hopefully help keep order. Right. Yeah. It's like, you it's know? more it's, like we're trying our best to like suggest that this is how it would work best. But obviously your people right. and like circumstances arise. So yeah sometimes you're gonna see that thing right at the end of an aisle and you don't want to go all the way to the other end but it's just funny watching the people that take it upon themselves to say something to another a fellow patron of of this establishment and just be like hey you're really not supposed to be doing this and it's just yeah like relax no one's no one's ruining anything right now it's fine well, it's, you know, this this time brings out this kind of like high tension sort of thing, right? A lot of people are anxious. A lot of people are stressed. So like there's probably, I personally, um, my approach has been to just really go to the store like when nobody's there. There's a QFC that's open 24 hours a day. So I just go at like 11.45 at night. Solves the problem. Yeah. Um, but uh, but like, yeah, I mean, I, I've spoken to a few friends like who've had like difficult interactions like that in the world where it's just like, you know, people are clearly on edge. Like, it's just, you know, people are just too, they're worried, they're nervous. Everyone's kind of just like a little bit, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, it is, it is interesting to see and, you know, like why certain people choose to speak up about something in particular, you know, it's, uh, 
Yeah, it's all yeah. it's all fundamentally it's interesting. Like it's just kind of like ah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and I think I observed maybe even two different forms of it, and one of them being that edginess that you were talking about, and then the other one being more of a situation where someone sees they can somehow take control over a situation, you know, and have a sense of control. Be like, yeah, you're yeah. supposed to be over here. And it's yeah. just like, are you running this shit? <laughs> Like does your do you have a name tag here? <laughs> yeah, it's real, man. Well, because when people are anxious, you know, control makes us feel good. So you want to like take more control because like you're trying to like soothe yourself. You know, you're trying to like yeah. Uh, as a as a member of a family of control freaks who uh, has solo projects so that he can be in control of everything in certain parts of his life, <laughs> uh, I understand that desire. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Understood. Sometimes you just gotta. Sometimes you just gotta ease into the mushrooms, though. You know, it's just kind of like a, you know, it's, just like, it's like one of those where it's like, well, you gotta like work your way. Like, if you know that you're like that, if you know that that's something that satiates you, that makes you, like, comfortable when you're, like, in control of things, and usually it comes because for some reason you think that you're okay at being in control of things. You know, you have some ego thing about you. I say that you, I'm speaking about myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but at one point, as you know, as I, as I, you get older, hopefully, or as I got older personally, it's like I realized, like, where I could exercise that need, and it was not problematic, basically, uh, which that solution was artistic projects that I am the only person involved um, that like solves yeah. that problem. Because then, and then if I have that, I'm better at collaborating because then when I'm collaborating, if something doesn't go the way that I want to, I'm just gonna be like, cool, I'll just do it the way that I want to for like my thing. And now I can do it how you want to. Like, that's fine. Let's just roll with this new idea and like keep going, you know? But um, I, I, yeah, you know, recovering control freak for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, hey, I, I, I totally relate to that, man. It's, you know, once you, especially once you do create something that is solely yours and you, you do experience all that freedom, that can be a game changer even if you've only previously done more group projects because mm-hmm. you do get to kind of fucking scratch that itch and do feel like you have complete control over something in some ways even though there's tons of variables to all that shit totally yeah even though it's like it's always control is always an illusion you know uh it's one that we grasp very closely and as a for me like it's the whole family's like this like every member of my family has the same kind of desire so it's there's no way to like get around it and like you know you look at my past i played my main sport was tennis a sport where I'm by myself entirely <laughs> in control of yeah. my situation. You know, like everything, everything kind of like there was a lot of evidence over the course of my life for that stuff. Like I, like I wasn't, uh, it took me a while to become, and not that I, I would never say I was like a bad team player, but I would just kind of like quietly be frustrated um, and then like leave eventually. Like I was never like, oh no, I'm not going to do it. Except there is a good occasion with your cousin um, <laughs> but where I was a bad team player <laughs> and he was calling me out on it and he was right. Uh, if Bob listens to this, he'll recognize. Uh, but for the most part, I was more like... Uh, That's all right. He, I, would, you know. I, would, I would evade I would evade the situation rather than try to make a fuss. I would just kind of get frustrated and leave. Yeah. Um, but on occasion, you know, your, your, heat, hey, your hot-headedness sure. gets ahead of us, you know, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that you've... Uh, I'm sure you've enlightened him on, on some of his behaviors as well. <laughs> It is, a, it is a mutual relationship. Let's put it that way. You know, <laughs> we're both For helping sure. each other out. Um, so it's man. Good. 
but with the tennis thing too mm-hmm. i feel like that's that's a that's a sport you know an individual sport where i feel like you can really control the pace of things too when you're the server and what oh yeah of you know just oh yeah your, there's your all time. like there's so yeah the one because once you get past they're just like can you just hit the ball and like kind of play the sport then it's tennis is just like it's like a weird like mental cerebral manipulation of another person like it's this weird because like everything you're doing everything is an intentional choice and everything is a choice that is like if you're it, whenever i'm doing it well i feel like it's a choice that i'm making where i'm in, I'm trying to be surprising. Like I'm trying to manipulate you into thinking I'll do this to do that. And like, you, that's, you know, like that's Jesus. When you're thinking like that all the time for your sport, you know, you got to watch out in the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's, it's a, it's a dangerous equation. There's obvious. I don't know. I've, I've always realized, you know, that the mental aspect to, to sports, but as I've gotten older, I think it's become even more apparent just how, you know, sports is just like anything else. It can be a complete mind fuck mm-hmm. if you're not present in it. It's weird because you have to be like present, but also thinking ahead of the game. Always. So it's a different balance, yeah. you know, where like in life you're told to just just be present, you know, yeah. don't worry about what's going to happen <laughs> in front of you, yeah. you know, but like especially playing a game like hockey where everything moves so fast and there's yep. not a lot of stoppages it's uh it's a trip man and it's i've i've played goalie my almost my entire life so you have you have a lo- you're alone yeah a majority of the game you yeah. know you're around your teammates when they're in your end and maybe during stoppages you have these brief interactions actions with them yeah but you don't have the same camaraderie or or the chatter that's going on in the on the bench in between line changes you know so sometimes i'm not seeing a puck or like uh like anybody coming into the zone for several minutes Mm -hmm. where it's like maybe one of those games where our team is just dominating yeah and those are the hardest games to find any rhythm in totally because it's i'm just like yeah just waiting for the game to come to me yeah and you know, th- you start thinking about other shit, and you you have to like find a way to to keep your head in the game, even though everything is happening on the other end of the ice. Totally, and like you know, because otherwise it's like you'll be thinking about something else, and the one time the puck comes over, you're not ready, and it's like, oh yeah. no, like that's the that's your only job, like you know, and then it's oh, this dude, bad it's, situation, you know, like oh no, it's such a bummer for a goalie to have to go several minutes into a game without like seeing any shots because you just never feel the puck and get like any sense of, yeah. <laughs> of a rhythm, you know? Like yeah, you're no just idea. like you're just sitting there cold. <laughs> you're sitting there cold the whole game, but you're in the game. Yeah, totally. It's, it's just <laughs> this weird situation to be in. But that is interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've just uh just found so many parallels to just the the sports mindset and you know and how it i don't know it's all the same mind game oh yeah that I mean, happens like, all, you know yeah. outside of it it's all yeah the whole yeah it's true they're all, they're all the same connected mind game like t- i mean you know I, I definitely used to be like a little john McEnroe. you know tennis taught me how to like chill out a little, you know how to like it's so yeah you did it wrong like it's fine that you messed up it's okay like try again you know, like that, that's a big tennis yeah, lesson right there, for you know? Sure. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that and music, music will do that too. You know, they're both, they both have like very similar, that the mental game is very similar actually between the two in a way. 
between music uh, and music and sports, I feel like. Can you expand upon that at all? Yeah, well, I feel like, like first there's the like game time sort of effect. I think that's both present when you have a performance or when you have a game, right? Where it's like the practice versus game relationship is very much the same uh, as the yeah. practice versus show relationship. Like that's something we definitely will talk about with uh, High Pulp. Like there is, there is a game time sort of mode, like where everybody just gets suddenly better. You know, like, and it's just because, like, well, the pressure's on. And now it's like, yeah, you, you turn, yeah. you know, like, the lights are on, the thing's going on, like, and now you're, it's game time. And, like, yeah, in general, you do get better than, like, I, I generally, you know, and that's from time and practice. Like, at first, when I started in bands, game time was the worst time. It was the time where I was most likely to flub and, like, do terrible <laughs> things. But, you know, over the years yeah. and years of practice and doing it more than game time becomes, like, your best time, the time where you shine the most because you are... That's like you've practiced being focused really well for that period of time. And like that's the time where even in practice, you won't be as focused. You don't have the same level of like that energy isn't there to like get you to focus. That's for me, at least when I'm like playing music a lot in practice is more like, yeah, I'm paying attention. I'm doing stuff, but it's not it's not game time, you know. And I for sports right. was very similar too. it's like, you know, I can hit the ball against the wall for ages, but there's a difference when it's six, four or uh, six five and I'm serving to try to win the set and there's like one ball left and it's like make this serve like that's the serve you need to make you know um, yeah man so yeah it's, I think in that way it's the mental game is very similar did you enjoy those moments though like those ones where it's just like yo this is this those is pressure it. moments I think I learned to I think but I I do th at first I was certainly frightened. I I came I like performing and being in front and like being in the like crunch time was not initially something I was natural with. I remember especially being young and playing piano in front of audiences and it was like you know my time to go and like just getting up there and the hand is like it's shaking so much that like I can't I can't play the instrument like I literally like I, everything Fuck, everything dude. will be tremoloing like it's really and I just have to sit there and I had to like you know and just like wait and try to calm down and eventually just start and like stutter through the beginning and then like make it to the end you know so it was definitely a yeah it was not always there were there were you know there were always like hints where you'd like suddenly like survive something that you'd never survived something before because you happen to be playing a show and you're like oh my god wow like thank god thank god that worked out um right but yeah it, it, i think it, it took it took a long time but event but now like yeah now it's like a, a cherished thing right now it's like okay i was talking with andy uh from high pulp about how COVID has been weird in the sense that it's taken away all like performances in that sense. And he was complaining about how like he feels like he's like lacking something because he hasn't gotten the opportunity to like execute that need kind of that like game time mode. Um, and I was saying yeah. how like a big part of for me, like the recording process can have that too, actually just in this like kind of micro zone, because you, d if you do like set yourself up where you like, you have to get the take, right? Like you're just, I'm going to just play it and I have to get it right right now because like, I don't want to edit it later or like I don't I'm doing it on my cell phone so like there's no way to like edit this really then you like are creating that game time moment for yourself uh it's a moment in which when I do it by myself I fail much more frequently um but yeah still it like it satiates that like need a little bit I was talking about that with him because I was like yeah I get that but I've been like doing this and it's been like helping a little bit you know so um, fuck yeah. yeah absolutely man I was just uh I I just told uh 
just told Cuzzo about this last night, but I, I started uh, watching The Long Strange Trip. It's like a 10-part series on the Grateful Dead that Amazon did. Cool. I heard that was back. good. Yeah. And, you know, I dig some some dead stuff. I'm by no means some, like, Grateful Dead head, and it's some stuff I've dug into the last few years a little bit more and, like, found, found a, a lot of cool shit that I really like of theirs. But it was... Uh, I think it was their drummer who was kind of talking about how he like he and a majority of the band like they hated making records. They just wanted to have game time. You know, they just wanted to play the shows, you know, and just kind of go into the rabbit hole and, you know, go into those those heavy jams. And, and you know, they're just kind of talking about. Like, I don't know the parts like to the songs. You know, the parts are just whatever's <laughs> happening. Like, I, it's yeah. hard to, you know, replicate what's going on there, you know, within a, a, a studio session for for those people, you know? Totally. Totally. Well, yeah, so that it can be, uh, yeah, and then, like, trying to find a way to make the studio work for you. And I think uh, back when they were doing it, too, it was extra hard because, like, it wasn't, like, the home studio. It was, like, oh, you got to go into this, like, place, and it's, like, this weird place you're not familiar with, and there's, like, somebody's paying for the time, and, like, there's a limited amount of time. So I think I heard at one point right. that they, that's what they would just do. They would basically just go for, like, the allocated amount of time they were asked to do and just, like, make arbitrary music, and that those are the records. And like everything else, they were yeah. just like wasting time. They would like we would use the studio to try out all this stuff that we wanted to do live, and then we would just go do it live. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great series, though. They put it together really cool, and it's just like the, the culture around it, just the, the whole LSD culture that is, totally. you know, runs deep through that of just, you know, like their first shows were them just playing acid parties. You know, they weren't Grateful Dead shows. People were just coming to these advertised acid parties with Ken Keese or the one flew over the cuckoo's nest, dude, and showing up to those. And Grateful Dead were just kind of this house band for those things. They were just there. That's wild. Yeah. You know, That's like, what better what better audience to like have as your first audience is <laughs> locked just in and just people. tripping people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And then this is them, the best, dude. Then them themselves, you know, tripping out. And uh, yeah, just interesting, man. They're talking about just how they didn't really like necessarily being captured on on camera at all. And uh, these dudes came to make a documentary on them. And uh they just kind of dosed them with their beers and shit. And we're just like, hey, you guys want beers? Not knowing that there's like acid in them and it shows their footage and it's all fucked up. And they were just like, hey, this is how we like to party. So we want you to party too. You know, just <laughs> deep into the fucking acid game, uh, dude. Crazy. Yeah, dude. So yeah, if, you have, if you haven't seen that and you need some, uh, some, you know, some COVID kill time. There you go. I highly suggest the uh, the long strange trip. I'm I'm digging <laughs> into it myself. Um, right on. But what is uh? You've been capturing you know people's experiences with this mm -hmm. project. But what is your what is your experience been like, Tuan? Mm -hmm. Through um, this thing, as as someone that's a a full time musician, you know. Yeah. Um. What is what has this been like, and how has it affected? your day-to-day -day. uh overall um 
it's been interesting. I feel I feel pretty lucky in the sense that uh, from like a job standpoint, things haven't changed too much for me. Um, teaching has moved online. I teach guitar and piano primarily as my job, uh, and that's just all become like Zoom and Skype and stuff, but it hasn't stopped at all. If anything, actually, a lot of my students are honestly doing better because um, they have more time now to practice. And they and like some of them are even just more responsive to the like the online sort of face-to-face thing this way. Like for, I've had a few students where it's been tricky before in class, like just kind of being focused. And then now on the phone, it's like, super easy and i'm like cool we should just keep doing this like even once COVID stops like this is way better for our class um so that's been that's been really nice um i am the sort of person uh if you know me who usually has a lot more ideas and things that he wants to do than things he manages to do uh, because of time <laughs> and conveniently now I actually w- just have with you lots there. of time with you yeah right so it's like that's like I feel I don't know yeah. it's like you know obviously how are things like COVID is very unfortunate and um, you know all, all everything that's going on is like very difficult and nobody wishes for like a pandemic and nobody you know like a Certainly, it's affecting people in like really tough ways. I'm very happy and feel lucky to be, first of all, in the state of Washington, um, where I think that our governor has been generally kind of holding down the fort in a responsible fashion. Uh, you know, it's this is a long game still. We'll see how it ends up going. But for now, like it's, it's definitely been like a, a better state to be in, for sure, um, for this stuff. But for me personally at home, like, you know, um, I, I, tell, I could do this for a year and a half, man. This is I got so much to do. I get I work. I have like I have a schedule. I work. I got like I got so every day there's more that I should be working on. Like I just, you know, I'm just right now I'm getting through what I thought I was going to get this year in the next 3 months. So then it's like, well, just give me six more of that. You know, like I'm ready. I'm just yeah, like I'll just be like, right. you know, keep just churning stuff. I'm a guy who likes movies, who likes staying indoors, who plays tennis by himself against a wall. Like this isn't you know, the welcome to my life kind of like this isn't all that different than what I normally <laughs> do, except I, now I'm not allowed to like I'm not allowed to go do other things. Like I do like to go to the movie theater and stuff, so I don't get to do that anymore. But like, you know, I, don't know, I got a TV and a computer like I can watch movies and like um, I miss playing shows. But also my favorite thing in the world is recording. And, you know, so like it's, it's one of those where it's like, yeah. I do prefer when life is normal and I think it's obviously better when everybody can be healthy and there aren't these things going on. But as far as if for some reason that wasn't health oriented, we just had to do this for a year and a half, like sign me up and give me the job. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm staying home. Give me, you know, whatever. I got work. I got things to do. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, uh, I asked, uh, I asked Rob, I think like I was on the phone with them a couple of weeks ago. We were probably like recording some I Dig Records podcast. And uh, I was just like, hey, man, how's Twan doing? He's just like, Twan's great, man. He was built for this shit. Like, <laughs> this is like perfect. You know? And I was like, yeah. Okay, cool. It is. Yeah, I, I feel kind of bad sometimes because I'm just kind of like, I like this is honestly, it's great. I like I I wake up in the morning I yeah I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, for sure man. I mean, I I don't think that there should be, you know, you shouldn't feel bad for taking advantage of this being something that's like good for how you operate, you know, if this yeah. is this situation, you know. Yeah, exactly. And you know, that's and you're just getting shit done and you know, cruising. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, it's got it, it's it's put some like dampers. I was I was hoping to like get a, I'd been working on this LLC to get my like private teaching game going and like I'd been working on this plan on trying to become like a piano technician and I'm still like reading the book for the piano tech stuff but also like nobody's going to invite me into their house anytime soon to tune their piano. Um and right. like and you know and I'm and this seems like a terrible time to start a music school. <laughs> so like um I you know that's it's put like a slowdown on some of those plans but really that just allows me to kind of like spend my time making music so For sure. Um I was talking to my buddy Andy Sado he like a couple weeks ago he was on the podcast and he also teaches mm-hmm. and he was kind of of the mindset that hopefully this is just how shit shifts into doing more of everything, you know, virtually instead of going to everybody's houses or going to an actual spot. Is that something that you would hope for as well? Totally. I think that like, I'm excited that the, this is creating a familiarity for people and uh, like forcing us to understand creative ways to use this technology, which has been here for a long time. Like it's, this isn't, you know, I remember Skyping way back when, Um, but obviously now it's like better and there's more options and stuff. But like, I feel like this will kind of reduce, not there was like a taboo, but kind of like not so maybe, so maybe not reduce, but like increase people's interest in remaining in online situations. And like I said, you know, some of my students, they do better. They do better when it's the online class. So, like, why would I ask them to come back in person? You know, like, this is, seems like a better choice. Um, there's also right. some things I can teach better from online because I'm at my house, and my house, in many ways, is a better for like certain things like teaching production or mixing or any Ableton stuff or synth stuff. I'm much better equipped here than I am at my job. Um, so, like, and I can screen share and I can just kind of like show what I'm doing and like share my projects and I have access to all my things. So like, that's really nice. So I don't see why I should, you know, not just do anything different that way. Um, oh shoot. I totally missed Gilbert. Today. We'll cut that out. Uh, <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. It's all good. I missed, uh, I missed one of my students or at least we said that we would do a thing, but neither of us texted each other. So <laughs> it's like, oh, well, <laughs> we didn't do the thing. Um, I guess I'll have to get a hold of him, try to get him for tomorrow. Mm. That makes sense. Oops. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, but yeah. Do you think it, is it also just kind of open it up to, you know, people outside of your region too? Yeah, there's that too, actually. that's That has been a fun thing. Like my friend, uh, one of my dearest friends, Jane, uh, who lives in New Mexico, was like, hey, I want to take guitar classes with you because I'm at home all the time now. And I'm like, sure. So now we just, now we do guitar classes, you know? So yeah, that is that is yeah. a big deal too. It opens, yeah, you could like, I could teach anybody anywhere basically. Um, and it frees me up too. I could be more, because now that I've figured this out, like I'm talk, I'm in talks with the music school next year to try to only work in person on Mondays and Tuesdays. And basically just work virtually on Wednesdays because um, I've been doing like Mondays, Thursdays and Saturdays for a long time. And it's just brutal on the like uh, gigging schedule. Um, so yeah. this would really like change that up in a really nice way. And then if one of my days is virtual, too, it's like, oh, it's really kind of I could be on tour and still teaching that day, you know. So, like, right. That's pretty nice. Well, and it's also cool because I don't know, you have so much video content of you playing shows too where i think that's just like such a cool you know inadvertent like ad 
to like someone wanting to maybe like learn how to play from you. You know, it's like, hey, like, are you looking for someone to teach you keys or guitar? Like, you should check out the video. Like, you can learn from this dude. Yeah. <laughs> Totally, this, like, cool band. <laughs> totally. I, I always, I hope you know. I, I, I worry because like being in a band and doing all the touring thing, like it makes me less available, and I'm like kind of unreliable. And the like, I have to reschedule a lot, and like you know, there'll be kind of like makes up and says we always do it. Like it's reliable in the sense you'll get the lesson, but it's gonna be sometimes you know the band gets in the way. But then I hope that like there's this kind of counter of like, oh, well, my teacher is really in a band, and he's like really kind of going out there and doing it, and it feels good to like learn from somebody who's like out there you know doing what maybe they're trying to hopefully do themselves so yeah yeah you feel like you really have like a method to what you're doing with the teaching at this point in the game kind of i have like uh i feel like i have sort of like pillars that are like important to me and then my the method is that like is kind of like well it's going to be unique for everybody and it's like how do we try to just reach these kind of like pillars um pillars being like i'm far i'm not interested i'm not the kind of teacher you get if you're trying to like become a virtuoso um uh i'm i'm the guy who like because there's just more honestly there are more virtuosos than me like i'm not a virtuoso i don't i don't have like crazy chops i'm like good i know how to play my instruments and stuff but i'm not like you you don't go see me to see a great keyboardist hopefully you go see me to come like because you like my songs you know like that's that's what i imagine For would sure. be more of like the the dynamic um and so like that's not so much what i'm good at but what i i, I think is like i want to see what the person is trying to get out of music first you know, like for, for like, how, what's your level of engagement? Like, what are you, what's your commitment? What are you trying to get? And then the next level is like, so then how can I make you like fall in love with this and not like make you, but like show you that this is something worth kind of like falling in love with. Um, and that doesn't necessarily involve, like, obviously that involves like me teaching you how to play, let's say the guitar, for example. But like that point is not dictated by how good you are. It's dictated by how much I've shown you like that this is something that's worth your time and that you'll start investing. Like I feel like a lot of people, it takes years before they really start investing in the process of like their own musical practice. And that's what I'm always like working towards is them having made that investment, not me investing for them. Like how, how can I find the shortest route that they want to invest in themselves? Um, so I'm always like exploring, you know, like, what do you want to play? Like trying to really personalize all the songs. But then I also know that there are some kind of like technical things that the tree, you know, there's like the tech, the classic sort of technical tree of like how to get through music. And some people really want that. Some people want like a really clear, you know, I want a path. I want a map. I want you to write it out. I want to see how in like three months I'm going to be better than that. Um, but like the vast majority of people who pick up the guitar just want to be able to like play guitar and like hang out and like play the songs that they like. And like, they're not trying to like be the next, you know, Jimi Hendrix. Um, and right. I actually, I recently had like, this has been sort of my thought, like, how can I just kind of get people where they want to get in like the most pleasant way possible, like to, and to keep it something that is like enjoyable and not like a task, not a chore, because I feel like music can so quickly become a chore um, if you don't really like it. Um, and so I had this student for, I've had her for five years now as a student. She started when she was an eighth grader and now she's a senior in high school. And, you know, over the course of our lessons together, has not been the most, I guess I shouldn't say that, cross out the name. My student hasn't been the most, um, 
reliable like practicer, you could say, right? She's not the person who like goes home and is like shedding 45 minutes a day, but she was always interested and she was always like, she always had interesting taste in music. You know, she was always listening to cool stuff and like kind of bringing in interesting songs when she'd be like, I want to learn something like, Oh cool. I haven't heard this. And like, this is cool. You know, like this is an interesting vibe. And so then over the course of the like kind of four last years, we've slowly morphed our lessons from guitar lessons to just kind of general music. And then like, well, here you should download Ableton. Well here. Oh yeah. You now you got that with your like little chat. What if you like started making a thing? And like this week I got my second beat from she makes now a beat a week and they're tight. Like they're really cool objectively outside of me being her teacher i'm like this is dope and like it's not that good of a guitarist but like she's stoked on this and she's like she uses her guitar in the beat making she's like using it to like make these interesting little unique things and i'm like this is everything i dreamed of like at no point in this time did you demonstrate to me that you had this desire to be this great guitarist but you were always showing me you wanted to be a musician and here you are like we did it you know like you're, yeah, and you're you're like doing this for fun now. Like she's like every week she she's being a new one, on you know. Yeah, and she's like, and I'm like, you know, you keep doing this, you'll have an album by the time you go to college. And she's like, you know, people ask her now to like collab with her and stuff to like. And she's like, oh yeah, can you help me for like make sure. this song? And she's like becoming, you know, this kind of like slightly like she has a little rep amongst her like high school friends and stuff. You're like, yes, like yes, this is working. You know, this is totally yeah, like dude. this is this is this is that. So if if you know. That story, the way that we went from like it was a guitar lesson to I think finding what she really wanted to be doing and getting her there, that's kind of what I'm always trying to do with all my students. And because of that, it's always different. Yeah. And you got her to this, like, just this different place where she's just a producer at this point mm-hmm. of, of you know music. But then also over the course of the five years, we like happen to have covered enough guitar that she can like use it. In like creative ways, and she like a and, 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 she, yeah, and, she, and she can like write with it, and like feels good about it, even though it's like you know, it's like yes, we really did it, you know. Um, so yeah. so yeah, that, that that's that's a that's that's a fresh story because like you know, I got the second beat this week, so I'm just like, oh, this is great. Like that's so rad. Yeah, five years in the making, but that's that's and the idea. Uh, all your sous chef stuff has seemed to really have pushed you into like learning all the production and the the home recording like pretty heavy. Yeah, well that was um yeah, that all stemmed like sous chef was kind of one of those moments where I was talking about before with the control thing like where I was like, "Oh, I want like a new I had like sort of a solo project, but I knew I wanted to like kind of change things up, so I needed to change the the like the name and kind of the style. It was going to go different." Um but yeah, at that point it was I had just moved back from college and in college I had been using there had been like a recording program at school and I'd been able to like become friends with the engineers and kind of like have them record my stuff. But then all of a sudden I was like coming back to Seattle and falling on my own power. So I was like, well, if you want to keep doing this thing that you love, like you got to do it. So let's get a program. Let's buy a mic and let's start, you know? Yeah, man. So dig in. Yeah. That was, uh, I guess like six years ago. Hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, what, what's, uh, where's the desire to be kind of digging into this piano technician life? Oh, well, I mean, fundamentally, I feel like, uh, 
I grew up playing the piano. I had a tough relationship with the piano, but I've always thought that the piano was. I uh, remember. Yeah, it was not always like. Uh, people people should go back and maybe listen <laughs> to that that first sous chef episode. And you know, get a little more background on on, on Antoine's musical background, and you know. The, getting to the point of really leaning into that thing. Yeah, it takes a while sometimes. It's a long, arduous journey with many <laughs> curves where you never think you're going to get there. Um, but uh, but yeah, I've always thought that pianos are beautiful. Like it's like a beautiful thing, and and from the first time, it's just I, a cool thing to have in your house. Yeah, well, and and then from the first time I like saw one like opened you'd be at like a grand piano or like somebody let me like open up their piano like it's so interesting and there's it's not like you are the power source you the human like there is no power and it's so it's so precise and like in learning about it more now i've been it's, it's just it's like a it's a beautiful machine is really what it comes down to it's this beautifully made every little piece has a function and that function is also in the name, if you like understand what the name means. So like it's kind of wonderfully descriptive. And like it's this beautiful sort of symphony of these tiny little mechanisms working together. And they work and they work forever. Or like they work for like hundreds, like they don't stop working. You know, it's not like that's part of the interest too, is like I just love things like you build it and then it just you don't it doesn't break. Like it, you know, you would have to really kind of try to like break it, you know? Like it's not like it's just yeah. it's good for infinite rotations. You know? It's like this system just works. There is not like a wear and tear really. There is a gentle one, but like, you know, I was looking at my book that I was reading, they're saying like even contemporarily, the oldest pianos you're likely to run into, though you are still likely to run into, are from eighteen ninety five. And it's like, that's still in circulation. Those are in people's homes that people play. That's fucking unreal, dude. Right? And they like, and most <laughs> of the time, it's like people who don't know what they have. Because it's like, well, it's the great grandma's piano that got passed down from the, you know, whatever. And it just kind of happens to be in their house now. But like, it still works. And it was built in 1890. Yeah. Like, what else in 1895 still works? You know, <laughs> like from that time, you know, right. like, it's this, yeah, I find them to just be these beautiful things. Um so that, and then in addition, it's just like a real nice way to kind of make some extra cash. Uh, hopefully, like just being able to tune pianos, and it's like uh, very flexible. You know, you just kind of call people up, go do. Right. It. There's like a there's a sort of like a program once I like kind of I got to do my like practice and stuff and learn, and then I can go and like try to pass like a test. And I can be like a certified kind of part of a guild, or I think it's called so the Piano Technicians Guild. And then at which point I can just like kind of take clients and you know get paid to tunes people with pianos and that just seems like something i could do forever that like there is right there is demand for kind of fundamentally because like they exist but also like there's very little workforce there's like very few people who actually do this um so yeah yeah it's just like surprising it's, for sure <laughs> yeah. a position that's probably not threatened by technology no and, yeah. and like and if if anything like i feel like technology could just make my job way easier <laughs> you know, like I would still have oh, to be there, right, but right. like it would be like, oh, cool! I just like put this new thing like on the piano now, and it just tightens it correctly, like tight. Yeah, you know, like right. you know, like like okay, cool. And then we'll like work. Yeah, I still like the knowledge person will still have to be there, but like I'll, my tools will just hopefully get more interesting as time because it's still very <laughs> like it's all like the two. I love the tools because they're like you know it's just little wrench thing and like a, a couple things that yeah it's shit. just like nothing complicated it's all just like exactly what it would be it's the difference now i guess we have the like electronic tuners that i use you know to actually like tune it to more precisely so that you're using both kind of like your ears and 
a little bit of the visual aid just to kind of make sure that everything's okay. At least I am because I suck. But yeah. How often <laughs> does does a piano get tuned? Um, I think they recommend usually it's like if you if you're in like a generally normally climate controlled place, but you want to keep it like really in tip top shape every like six months, four to six months. Um, most people don't do that at all. Um, and you don't like need to, um, but like, you know, if you do it every four to six months, honestly, the bill is a lot less. That's the interesting part about it too. Cause like the, you, you Uh, bill based on time applied. And if you just like put the maintenance in, then like, you know, you're going to get like your tuning bill is going to be like 60 bucks. But like, if you wait like two years, your tuning bill might be 200 bucks because it took the guy eight hours because it was really out of tune, you know? And like, and so when, it and when take fucking hours, yeah, well, like, you know, it's yeah. Cause the, I mean, there's a combo. The, the one that I got, the piano that I got is a spinet. So it's like one of the more difficult ones, one of the more temperamental ones to work with. So already that's like one indication, but like, yeah, it depends really on like how out of tune it is because if it's really, really out of tune, like you can't just tune it once. You have you like tune it once, and by the time you finish tuning it, like the the change is so dramatic that it doesn't like hold really. So you have to like tune the whole piano many, many, many times. And the more dramatically it's out of tune, like when I picked this one up, I picked it up on Craigslist from a person who had not gotten it tuned in decades. Right, it had just been in their house in their living room, and we like picked up the piano we like you know put it on the the pulp bus which you've been into before right we like carried that thing on the pulp bus oh yeah and then uh and it was snowing while we were doing this it was january we were in, we, and then we drove with it on the pulp bus and vic just kind of like holding it in place for 40 minutes <laughs> to come back to the house then we left the piano in the bus for a day to wait for the rest of the pulp crew to come over for practice so they would help us carry it off the bus because getting it on the bus was this horrible experience. We're like, we're going to wait till we get eight people. Like three people is not enough. Um, So then it was in the bus for a day and then it finally got placed in the house. And then I had to tune the piano, I think, four or five times before it was like really staying in tune you know like that all the pieces were like nice and in tune and that took me as an inexperienced technician a very long time Uh, (laughs) but like an experienced one would obviously go quicker um but but yeah uh so that's real and also like right now mine is next to a heater so that like already i can tell the top is out of tune the bottom's out of tune i'm gonna have to like kind of go back at it a few but it's already it's been and it's been like three months i don't know shoot like maybe i should do it again so yeah yeah um, all the COVID diaries. Yeah. Was any of that music stuff you had, does any of those instrumentals exist before um, starting the project or did you apply everything after listening? Very rarely. There have been a few cases where I've just been like, dude, it's like I got 11 of these to make this week and like I just can't. Like I just can't, you know, like <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take this whole thing and like fly it over in. I've also got on my, the ones I'm working on particularly, I've got um, Sloths Are Us, a.k.a. Jeremy from Suba, uh, Sly Puffin, a.k.a. Dan from Suba, and potentially Bobby mm-hmm. Grooves also, all like contributing music occasionally. They'll just like kind of oh, chime dope. in with some ambient tunes that I can just kind of use and then kind of work with. So that helps alleviate that stress. Uh, additionally, obviously Watson moon has released his own, uh, and he's been kind of just doing, I think the music himself on those. And then in another kind of exciting twist, we've got a new one. We've got a new COVID diary coming out starting next week. Uh, I guess right now is the, that was Wednesday, the 29th to the 30th. What day is Thursday next week? 
Do we know? Uh, it's the 6th, 7th. Seventh? It's the 7th, I believe. May 7th, yeah. So I think, yeah, thir- yeah, Thursday next week, probably May 7th is what we're feeling. Um, Rob, the sound bank, uh, Rob Homan, a.k.a. Rob, the sound bank, is going to also be joining the COVID Diaries team. He's got his first one already done. He sent it to me. He's going to get like the week two of that first individual, and that'll start kind of like flowing up there, and he's going to be d- posting on Thursdays. Uh, he's got also, he's hoping to add like another person to that mix. And we've got a couple other people also kind of trying to join in to add some more interviewees, you know, some more kind of subjects to the mix. Yeah. Add in their own music too. So, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of, it's growing, it's growing, but yeah, for the most part to answer your original question, uh, it's all original music that we're making like specifically for the occasion. I have on occasion have to dive back especially because like there was a week, I don't know if you looked at Michelle's COVID diaries, but Michelle, the older French man who lives in a, in a small village, he had one that was 30 minutes long. So, Oh, damn. It's an incredible story. And if you speak French, I really recommend you go and listen to it because I think it's like by far the best like story. It's 30 minutes. It's like a Hollywood movie. Um, but it is in French. Um, and that... Uh, it's a lot of music. <laughs> so um, I, I definitely dug into some archives for that one to just try to yeah. like, just like, okay, we got like a few days to get 30 minutes of music like recorded and releasable. Like not even, you know, just kind of like this has got to be. Uh, so that that was kind of a blend. And, and, and it had to be like interesting because the story was really interesting. I couldn't just like phone it in and play a piano for 30 minutes and call it a day. You know, like that's, it's not really as cool. So. Uh, right. So yeah, there have been a few no, times. I, th- I, I think you you do such a cool job of creating these landscapes for these things, and and Rob and I were just talking about this, talking about a knowledge record, this meek, these meek mill tapes that knowledge made. Yeah, and just uh, we were talking about how crazy it is, you know, just how music can shift the you know, the feel of anything that's like just a recorded narration. Totally. Know? Totally. You can do whatever you want to it and manipulate it in ways. Um, but I just really like, I don't know, just the textures that you placed on things as, as the mood changed of some of these, these diaries, you know, the music, just a, a huge part of, you know, playing in some of the haunting elements when people start to, talking about the uncertainty of, of this thing because i don't know it seems listening to the the three full ones um that i did which were jeremy's and allison's and elliot's i listened to those three in full and just seeing the range of emotions that are captured in these you know these parts is is just a trip and uh yeah did you have have like a lot of fun composing the music for all this to dictate the emotion that they were uh, putting out there. Uh, I, I do. I have a lot of fun with it for sure. Um, I'm actually about to uh, this week on Friday. I'm going to do a little live stream with my music school where I like do it live. I like show my kind of like composition process to this stuff live. Um, it's funny actually because it feels. At one point in college, I learned about John Cage. At one point, and like all these 20th century musicians and how they like incorporated randomness and chance and all these kind of like strange elements into their music that like, you know, you could, someone could make the argument that you're just like, you know, it's like the modern art problem. Like when you're painting a white on white painting, you know, it's like, is it too easy or like, is it art because you thought of it? Um, and so you kind of get into that world. But I, I do find that, that this 
helps me in my current circumstance quite a bit. Uh, so I got to... Uh, You're all good. Because um, I am... Um, basically, what my issue is quantity. I have given myself a very large job where I have to every week produce 11 original pieces of music um, that are interesting and moody, but also like not too much in the front. And they, I want them to be original, the vast majority, you know, as much as possible. Obviously, some people help or whatever. But because of that, I've like created this sort of workflow that I think of that's sort of based on stations. I have like different stations in my house that can like create a song. There's like the guitar station and the guitar station is actually like I have three acoustic guitars that I could choose from and it's outside on the front stoop because that gives like a little bit of ambiance from the outdoors as well as the guitar recording. I can just kind of like play some guitar, do it with my cell phone. That's like one station, right? There's the just like sitting at the real piano station. There's the, I don't know if you remember this piece of this equipment, but the Baldwin Fun Machine, uh, which lives in my parents' room, is another station. Because that thing is just like, it just makes songs. Like you just sit at it and you can just make full songs. (laughs) You know, it's just like you got the drums, you got a little bass line, you got some chords, and the right hand's the melody, you got the minor touch bar. Like life's just good. You can just kind of like be making full tunes. And like if you know what the Fun Machine sounds like, you're like, oh cool, I can see all the Fun Machine songs. Like across all this. Like it's clearly, and it's like, because I create it in a horizontal slice every week, right? One week at a time. But you as the listener will be experiencing it in a vertical slice, one individual at a time, right? So for me, that creates this interesting compositional challenge where I want to make sure that all of them are different. All of the albums are different, right? And, and I don't want to like, to, for like every week to feel like, like, really like you're repeating. This, it's like redundant in any way. Right. But... I, what I actually end up doing is I have like maybe, you know, I save a few stations. I probably have like seven or eight stations and I just cycle people through the different stations at like an, a, a separate rate. So now I guess when you're listening to it, you're like, you, you, it's like, oh, right, well, they're at, Elliot hasn't gotten piano for a while. Okay, this next one I'll do like a piano based thing around for Elliot. And that like is kind of like how that gets chosen. And then it just kind of keeps growing hopefully like sort of that way. And then where the chance kind of gets involved is most of the stuff is actually, I'm just live playing on, uh, and I'm voice memo recording it with my cell phone. Um, and it's just kind of like, all right, cool. I know that like, I've got, you know, it was like about four minutes for Elliot. So I'll just like, you know, play something. And I don't, I don't even necessarily associate when I'm playing. I'm just like free associating music, making cool, interesting music, um, that I can just put as a voice memo on my cell phone. And then I take that voice memo and I, poured it I like open up the track with the interview and I poured the voice memo in I'm like all right well what's you know like which which one of these okay so I've got like four piano ones okay well now it's uh, who's on who's on deck for piano this week oh interesting okay we'll put that on and then you like put the piano in underneath you know that I did and it was well, the most the thing that I love the most and where the John Cage comments really came from is that it always aligns in interesting ways and I and like and when I created it, they were two entirely separate ideas, and like that's so cool. And it like it, you'll have this moment where like I stop playing and I make a shift in the music, and it happens to be when his topic shifts, or like and it's just kind of all these, and they just happen. So like, there's a part of you that feels guilty, like I didn't really write this, like I didn't really do this, but also I did by like choosing this. So that was that's where that all that kind of like. Uh, it's like the, I need the 20th century composers to make me feel like I'm justified. Uh, That's <laughs> but, fucking but, wild, uh, dude. So, yeah. so you didn't, you, yeah, you weren't sitting there playing and listening to their voice message. Some, most of the time, no. There are occasionally, um, like if you check out Mike, I know Michael Week 4, 
uh, like any of them that are more synthy, I am more because yeah. that that station okay. is like at the computer. But any of them it's that in are the box. exactly any of them that are like acoustic instruments, I'm not as much because I'm like I just I I'm not gonna move my stuff to like go record a piano. I'm just gonna put my cell right. phone on it. I'm gonna record my piano. I'm gonna move on. It's there's eleven of them this week. You know, it's just like what. Um, <laughs> so. So yeah, so it ends up being this kind of blend. But like, yeah, if you look at, I think Michael week four or week three, there's one where he goes, he's in the, uh, he's talking about being in the hospital. And at one point I realized that like the sound I was making was kind of like a weird sort of gurgly heartbeat sound. It sounded like internal organs sort of. And then he got to this part where he's like describing an eerie scene. So there I just like leaned in, you know, I'm like, oh, I'll just lean in. I'll make it creepy for a little bit, you know, and that's like, that's yeah. intentional. But a lot of the time, yeah, the like shifts happen kind of when the shifts happen. Like I played that guitar part for that long. And then now it's like there needs to be a new thing that comes in. And like it just the beauty of life is that, uh, you know, when you kind of do stuff like this, it, it all it all kind of works out. It's, it feels kind of subconscious in that way, you know. Yeah, dude, it just happens. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah, it like, doesn't have to be intellectualized like, all the time. You know, you just smash it together. Yeah. That's so fucking cool that it worked out that way with most of these. Like, there's a moment on uh, week four of Elliot's. He starts talking about bubble bath. And it gets real tripped out and spacey right there. And that's probably one of my favorite moments out of the ones I listen to. Sick. Um, that and uh, there's, I think, Jeremy's week five, he's talking about gardening. And it's just this really nice classical kind of style, like, guitar it sounds like just like some mad bibio vibes going on cool. in that in that one um yeah dude just captured some really really cool moments doing it this way yeah sure. it's been fun and you know it looks like um i've told everybody that the project is going to go on until life is back to pretty much normal so get ready for week 46 <laughs> like get ready just, like it's just yeah. gonna go like and i don't know what the music is gonna sound like after a while i don't i really have no like because i'm gonna get bored so i'm gonna start you know changing it up and so yeah who knows who knows where it's gonna go how many stations are gonna be in your house by the end of this thing god bob will come <laughs> back and be like do i live here anymore like do i is this, is lot, like, you know like you He's have you have taken over everything <laughs> yeah like <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, what a trip, dude. Yeah. I feel, yeah, when I was, I was walking around, I've been trying to go on a walk recently, most days just to get a little, uh, some movement in. I'm still going to my job every day or most days. So my, my life isn't really crazy different aside from being able to, you know, go do some exercise stuff or play hockey right now. So I've been trying to go on some walks. So yesterday this was my, uh, you know, my narrative as I went walking around the neighborhoods, you know, burning one down, listening to these people's stories. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just thinking to myself that one, one day these, these are going to be used in some way in some like coronavirus documentary or some I just spilled my bong, everybody. I just <laughs> knocked it over. That's fucking irresponsible. God damn it. Uh, I don't know, man. It sounds like <laughs> it sounds like some NPR shit, you know. No, that, like, I feel like I'm listening to This American Life. That yeah, it, you know, I I love I love shit like that. Like that's all stuff that really, um, 
that that's that's kind of like the dream, you know. I, part of me, I've I've joked because I've made this like an open source thing with my friends. I've joked that my real aspiration would be that um, if it could be like if I could get so many people making it that no one human being could listen to it all. Like if it could be so big that like no person, like the amount of time it would take to like it's just beyond like a lifetime. Like that, I think Dense would be, as fuck. that would be like super interesting because at that point, like, it's just like now like I've created like a database. Like it's not like an album. It's like a database, but it happens to be incredibly pleasant to listen to, <laughs> you know, like it's just like this really nice, like all these college researchers going for their primary sources. Like, man, it's really nice that all this like interviews are like done to music, you know, just like, right. Like, hopefully that's well, it's good. also because of what you talked about early in the conversation is a lot of the stuff that you do capture is, you know, some, some of it is uninteresting mm-hmm. and mundane, but with the music behind it, it gives it some life and some legs at times when it is a little slow mm-hmm. and it, it makes it more interesting and makes those boring moments. Interesting. Totally. It, it's, it's Seinfeld, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a mu- show about nothing. Yeah. It's music. Seinfeld. It's music, COVID, <laughs> COVID themed music, Seinfeld. So that's that's my next it's not slogan. Quite as funny, but there are funny moments. <laughs> that's true. That's true. There are funny moments, especially I've gotten yeah. the the older Frenchman now too. He's he's adding a joke. He's like loves jokes, and he has a book of nine hundred and seventy five jokes. So he's putting a joke at the end of every week. So, so that's pretty nice. Yeah, you really get to experience though the range of of people's like the human experience and range of emotions mm-hmm. that everybody goes through is really interesting because sometimes it is like very bright and cool and sometimes it's heavy when you know somebody starts talking about death or when allison starts talking about big picture uh long-term stuff and how this will affect the the fishing industry and how many people in her family are in the fishing industry it's like her whole family's you know totally roots are in, are in this fishing industry and it's just like whoa that could affect everything for you if these certain stipulations are put in absolutely place, you know to, absolutely so it's or that bit yeah, that she just, was saying last week about like uh the man who had come to her and they were talking at the volunteer place about like the people's memories that are lost when they die alone in their home and like how that how sad that is like this loss of memory that will happen because of this yeah it's fascinating that's a trip and just yeah just people dying the people that are dying because of this most of them are dying alone Mm -hmm. you know not surrounded by people totally you know totally which is super heavy you know and like elliot's taps into that very early on where he's just like starts thinking about you know diving into reddit holes and and then just talking about it's like man we're you know probably gonna know people in our families or like close to us that have someone die or know someone that dies you know and like those realities seeping in but then two three weeks in he like ends one of the messages with uh you know, like everybody just, you, you know, relax. It's going to be okay. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just, right. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. To see that, that like evolution over time. Yeah. I don't know. I just, uh, it feels like watching a documentary, but I get to make it and I don't have to use final cut. 
<laughs> is everybody is everybody else that's creating these using that same format that you are of of just those three questions every week to keep it congruent in that way? Honestly, I don't know. Um, in a classic sort of uh-huh. me move, I'm just kind of like talk to people. I want to see what you bring me. Like, I don't want to like, you know, it's a, it's, it's a very, uh, it's a, it's, it's, I, I, yeah, I think, I think at one point I might've told Matt, like if, if they ask me what I'm doing, I'll tell them to be like, you know, if you want right. like a format, but like Rob Homan just sent me one this morning and I was like, cool, yeah. dope. Like, it sounds good. He didn't, you know, like he had no point. And, right. and then like, we had to talk about like, how are we going to release it? And it's just like, all right, cool. Yeah. But it's, you know, he just like went off and did it. And I was like, sick. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. You know, like. There wasn't this situation of, yeah, these are the three questions I ask these people every single week. So yeah, no, that's yeah. cool that they'll like the different authors will have probably different a different vibe. Yeah, too. hopefully. You know, that's just that's my thought is the more yeah, like the less regulations I put on it, kind of the more we can see in the in the Yeah. I I keep wanting to say like the meta narrative, because it's like that's the interesting part, is like all of it put together more than like each individual day, you know, it's how yeah, it all works. It's one chunk. Yeah, it's very cool, man. It's I, I dig the documentation of it and just getting to hear these, you know, everyday people experiencing their lives from different parts of the world and and how these things are affecting them and yeah. how they're staying positive or how they're fucking dipping low. You know, totally, <laughs> it's, totally, it's wild. Um, outside of this. And and high pulp and Sun King stuff, you're doing some collaborations with some other folks too. I checked out some of those tunes that you sent me. Yeah. Um, uh, some of those. What was the the first thing you sent me? Okay. Trying to, the the one that had the Saturn. Okay, yeah, Saturn. So that's um. So I I sent you that my link to my like secret uh band camp so all the like artist names are wrong and some of it so it's kind of yeah. confusing everything's like ugly um but yeah so saturn is this ep i've been working on for a long time with jordan Lowe uh from swing set he goes by like swing set for his musical projects uh and yeah we he actually he moved into my house of the blue uh, my room at the blue house when i moved out to come into this okay. house he moved into my room and that was like loosely around the time where we started kind of collaborating and um, we started with like kind of no plan. There was like a, some plans developed over time, but it was always kind of like, we'll just kind of see what happens, you know? And we made a lot more music than uh, what you hear on the EP, but eventually it kind of like narrowed down into like, this is kind of, this feels like it's the vibe. This is like on what we're doing. And, uh, and I, yeah, I've been excited about it for a while. It's uh, what I sent you is pretty much the final mixes. I think I'm going to touch up uh, Hell yeah, uh, the dude. second track a little more, but like it's, uh, yeah, then it's going to get mastered hopefully next week. And, Maybe come out this summer, so I'm excited about it. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I uh, I really dug a lot of the songs on there. Yeah, cool, right on. Yeah, like if that stuff was out, I would I was just gonna be like, yo, we should play some of this during the episode. <laughs> Word, yeah, totally. We'll, we'll wait. <laughs> we'll wait until it comes out. Yeah, we'll, I'll let you know. You know I'll feature some of that stuff later if you like it. That's cool. I'll, I'll let you know. You know, I, I, I'm I'm fond of it. I really like uh, that tune, "Sliding Door." I don't know if that one if that one stuck with you at all, but that one. That's the one that I was like, all right, like this is the direction, like this is what we're working on, you know? Um, yeah, it's it's cool because it's I don't know, it's kind of like this psychedelic pop music. Like there's some cool like hooky melody moments, and then there's some moments where it, it kind of goes out and does its thing. Yeah, well, you know me, I can't uh, can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I really, I can't. Uh, yeah, I have no way of like being able to. At one point, I'm just like, well, you know, what if we just like slowed the whole song down and like turned it upside down and <laughs> yeah. like, put nine synthesizers on top? Like that sounds great. You keep saying <laughs> slow, slow down anyway. <laughs> yeah. Song, so yeah. We might as well, we might as well slow boom. this thing. Down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's just smack that down. Go to a different. <laughs> We're gonna. You remember the Hurt Locker soundtrack? Let's just try to make it sound like the Hurt Locker soundtrack for a little bit. You know, like that was good. Good movie. You know, like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, yeah. you digging deep into those soundtracks. I see you doing oh, yeah. doing those inspirational records and like throwing up a couple of soundtracks, even if they're video games. Oh yeah, man. Shit. I mean, like that's that's the thing. Growing up, like that's all I listened to. Like really, I, I didn't like. There was you know I, when I was in middle school, there was like Green Day and stuff. Um, but once I got to high school, like really, film scores took the front for like a good four years until like eventually I kind of like you know found other things. And there was always like other stuff being shown to me, but that was like clearly the interest. Um, so it's never went away. And so that's always, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I love, I got, I'm got another one actually. I'm going to, a little short film I get to, I got asked to do recently. So I'm excited for that little five minute Hell thing. Yeah. 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 That's always a, that's rad. That's a dream. I love doing those things. It's a, it's a whole nother, like tapping into something completely different with that stuff when you're, when you're writing to a visual like that. Yeah. Well, see, I've been, I've been trying out some like different ways of approaching it. Um, the uh because yeah i've tried like the very very like the visuals in front of me on the computer we're gonna like hyper score you know it's gonna be like really really up close and kind of like oh yeah like really like i'm trying to match the image to my score like really closely you know and that's been kind of fun there's like a lot of kind of fun challenges there and it's really nice to then like it's so satisfying when it all just like works and your synchronization is like really well um but also, I was re- I was like, uh, I played The Last of Us recently, uh, maybe like four or five months ago, that PlayStation game, and uh, I was watching the soundtrack. I remember you were you were playing you were playing that when I was up there last. Okay, sick. You were, yeah, you, yeah. Were, you were towards the end. I love that game. That's one of my favorite video games of all time, dude. For sure, incredible. And the music in that game is amazing. Um, and so I, w- I started watching uh, interviews with Gustavo, the composer, uh, and he was talking about how what he likes to do is. Um, is rather like have, uh, they give him like basically like mood sheets and he just goes off and he just writes lots, lots of music, lots of it, all based oh. on the mood sheets and he just hands it to them. He's like, have fun. Um, like do, do like arrange it how you want, put it where you want, like put it under whatever you want. Like here's just like a bunch of vibes and then, you know, they have, there can be like a back and forth, but like it's not quite as like direct. It's like, well, you now as the director use like, you're kind of like, you become like a sampler kind of, you know, and then now you're like placing it. So I think me and my friend for this one, we're going to work a little bit more like that. She's going to give me some mood pieces and I'm, cause the whole thing's just five minutes and she wants to be able to kind of like control it based on the images. So it's like, yeah, that's easier. I'll just kind of like make you lots of little moods and then you can kind of choose between which ones fit best for what and, you know, piece it together. That's fucking cool. Yeah. That'll be fun. Are you, are you like somebody like once you find somebody that you dig, like a certain composer, you'll try to like dig up what you can on them to try to get some insight on their process. Oh, for sure. Bleed into yours. Yeah, for sure. I, I like, um, it's not, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily go in with the intention of being like inspired or finding something, but like, you know, I do, if I like some music, I'm going to do a little Wikipedia search. I'm going to maybe do a couple of YouTube videos. I'm going to like look up some interviews, you know, I'm going to kind of like do a little bit of background check. And then, yeah, if I happen to like, if they say something, I'm like, oh, dang, I haven't like thought about that before or something. Then it's like, then I'm extra intrigued. And then I, you know, maybe I'll involve it. I've, with the one like that too, I always joke, uh, I have little, 
uh, aspirations of making a movie one day. Uh, I make sh- short films and things like that, but I have, you know, making a feature film. And I learned one recently where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Like, I'm going to do that because, you know, these basically uh, Chris Nolan uh, and Greta Gerwig both do this. And Greta Gerwig does it because Chris Nolan does it. She like saw an interview and she was like, well, I thought that you were a good director. So I decided to do it, which is they don't sit down. There is no director's chair on set. The director never sits. I'm like, that's great. I like Ah. that. Like the director is always working. He's never sitting, you know, he's like up next Mm. to the camera doing a thing, magic, you know, like there's no sitting on set. I'm like, oh, that's, I like that. I'm, I'm if I ever get to make a movie, I'm gonna do that too. There's not, I'm not gonna have a chair like right on. I, yeah, I, I could see myself falling in line with that as well. Yeah. You know, there's something about it feels right. It feels like, uh, it feels kind of like a leading by example kind of thing, you know, where it's like, if I'm the director of this thing, I should be always like working. I should, f- it should feel like I'm always like involved in like kind of like pushing, helping involved in the place. I'm there, I'm right. attentive. I'm with you. I'm not like over in my corner doing my thing. I'm with whatever I, is like the for important sure. thing of the time. So, and also that just seems like good for your physical health. You know, just like never sit down. Yeah. Just like stand up all the time, I, walk around. I feel like that's a, a positive management style in general, yeah. like even outside of the creative process of, you know, you see the boss working hard yeah. then you're probably going to want to work hard or at least try to keep up mm-hmm. with what they are doing. Exactly. Yeah. Not like, uh, yeah, it's going to feel worse to be lazy if you watch the person who's in charge working really hard. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of, I think that's good. That's a good way to inspire people. Cause it's not even about like putting them down. It's just like, look, this is how hard I'm kind of expecting you all to work because this is how hard I'm working. Um, yeah. So like, please, <laughs> you know, for sure. And I, th- I think doing the hard work for them sometimes too, like show mm-hmm. th- showing them that, yeah, that, that you're willing to do the dirty work. Yeah. Or whatever. Get the short end of the um, stick, you know, be the one that's yeah. like, Oh, well like, you know, you, you changed the, the, the cow's manure last week. Like, yeah, I'll do it. I'm the director of the movie, but I'll do it. Whatever. Like, give me the shovel, you know, like somebody needs to get it yeah. done and you're busy doing something else right now. Like I'll just give me the shovel. I'll go take care of it. You know? Um, yeah, I think or that, even like yeah. some, yeah, something simple in my day to day at work can just be, Oh, the dishwasher called out, you know? It's just like who's going to be the dishwasher? Yep. It's like I'm I'm just going to be the dishwasher today. Yeah. There's no reason to pull pull somebody else out of their normal, you know, role totally. to make them do it, yeah. you know. And it's like and if then, you do it a few times in a row, probably somebody'll notice like, "Hey, dishwasher isn't here." Like, "Do you want me to do it today?" instead of because like right. you, I've watched you do it the last four times, you know, like that is more likely to happen and then that already breeds like just good culture at the job. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, that's funny. It's kind of this mind fuck thing. Yeah. You know, again, right. It's like not asking. Yeah. Not asking <laughs> anybody to do it, but eventually they will ask. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I heard an, I don't even know where I heard it or like where it came from. Um, uh, but just an interesting relationship dynamic thing of, you know, if your significant other, if you ask them if they need help, when they're about to do something or while they're doing something, um, they're more like, they're less likely to just be like, Oh no, like I don't need help. Like they're more like less likely to ask you for help to do it too. Just because you have offered Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's just like, Oh, you like you thought to offer. So now I'm not going to, to nag you into doing this thing that I probably don't even 
need you for really i just you know wanted to uh see if you were willing to help yeah totally yeah yeah exactly or <laughs> and then sometimes it's the vice versa too sometimes it's like you're like hey do you need any help and they were like well i actually kind of could but like he he was so quick and eager to offer so maybe maybe no no i don't need any help no no i'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of myself you know like you know that's that's that made me feel like you didn't think i could do it on my own so i'm gonna do it on my own <laughs> you know like, like and you're just kind of like oh good sorry not not what i meant but cool you know that's fine <laughs> um to wrap things up here what is your biggest uh what's your big takeaway so far from doing these covid diaries my big takeaway is that though it is clearly a challenge um this kind of like change of life um people are adapting well like as a whole, you know, people are kind of handling it pretty well. Uh, and obviously, I only have a sample size of eleven that I deal with personally. Um, but of those eleven, like you know, as you said, there are kind of some down weeks, some up weeks. But everybody seems to have like a, it's like a generally keep on keeping on positive outlook towards kind of things getting better. Um, eventually, you know, I think there's a. It's very interesting to see how sometimes the it feels like the mental health of people is like synchronized sort of like that like certain weeks are more chill whereas certain weeks are less and sometimes they kind of move in unison uh, which is an interesting thing to observe uh and you know hard to i don't know where you draw how why but yeah that's a it's an interesting sort of like thing um I've been, Michael is one person that we follow and he's a doctor. It's been very interesting to see. He reports like directly from how the Seattle hospital situation is going. He works at Swedish um, and which right now has been really good. So that's been kind of like motivating uh, to see. I'm aware also that that's not the case everywhere. I currently only have one doctor and he happens to be in a place where things are not too hectic. So he's like, yeah, it's business as usual for me. Like he's not even, he doesn't work with COVID patients. Usually he works, he's a surgeon. So it's like, he's dealing with everybody else who's still coming in who doesn't have COVID. Um, and like, you know, he said that at one point, uh, they had to do a lot of gallbladder surgeries one week, uh, which he said, everybody was kind of joking about at the office that, well, the gallbladder gets inflamed when you sit at home and don't do anything and you drink and eat too much. (laughs) So they're like, well, we got a lot of gallbladder surgeries after this COVID thing, you know? It's like, well, that makes sense. So, uh, for sure. So yeah, you know, that's been, um, yeah, it's been kind of that just interesting to see. And yeah, I'm I'm just I'm I'm really uh I'm hopeful and intrigued to be able to just I do a lot of things I feel like in life sort of to be able to have a way to like look back on things. And I'm just excited to like eventually have this complete thing and to be able to like listen to one person's weekly experience of COVID from the beginning into the end of the experience and then, you know, multiply it by however many there are. But I think that that, like, I'm just looking forward to that moment. I think that will be fundamentally satisfying. Like, no matter what the content is, that will be satisfying. Um, so, right. I think it'll be good. Well, I look forward to, uh, you know, checking in on these people week to week and seeing seeing uh, what you crank out. And I think it's cool that you've kind of opened it up to some other people to, uh, you know, just get more voices heard about this thing and, and hear everybody's different approach to it but i think it's cool as fuck that you're doing it man thanks man thanks a bunch thanks for you know having me on the old show of course you are uh you are like family tuan yeah you too you are you're yeah you're as much as you know family to me as anybody else up there in in that that house you know 
keeping keeping Cuzzo in there in check, you know, <laughs> keeping him keeping him balanced and healthy, probably <laughs> some in some way in some way. Yeah. <laughs> you should ask Bob about that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> We, I'm gonna play it out cool. uh, with Elliot's week four. Right on. Oh, one last uh, mention um, before I guess the end. Uh, just to toss it out there, um, the other collab record because this one's just gonna kind of peter out. Knowing John, he's kind of like this. My buddy John and I are working on a collab uh, EP that's just kind of like out there. That was the one, the big freeze and the scarecrow frequency or whatever. That was also really cool shit. Yeah. So I'm stoked for both of cool. those. That's, that's just like John works in a very sort of public way. So like the, they're just constantly being like released sort of, uh, you can just kind of like see as we make it, it'll just okay. keep being like released with videos and things. So you can tune into that. But, uh, yeah, it's the scarecrow frequency right now. He calls me the big freeze. So we're toy- toying with the idea of calling it the scarecrow frequency and the big freeze, or that'll be like the <laughs> artists instead. Uh, but yeah, I think it'll be good. So last night. Well, I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can follow along with what you're doing. And I'll put the COVID band camp up so people can check out all that stuff and any other, you know, Instagram links and anything else that I should include. Oh. I will do that. And uh, we end every episode of the podcast with a guest saying the tagline for the show, which is it's a program. So when we get the uh, the sous chef. It's a program. We can properly sail this thing out. It's a program. He nailed it, everybody. We're playing it out with week three from Elliot. That's the Jelly Jams. We'll catch you on the flip side, Portland. Yes, New Mexico. It's kind of already like spread out, so I don't think they were too worried about the threat, but our governor like locked down pretty quickly. Um... But yeah, it's funny, like, I was like, Tiana, just right before you call, I'm like, is it Monday or Tuesday? Because the weeks seem like they've been flying by. Um, Maybe that's because we're just, like, cooped up. But um, I went on a hike with a friend, which was really nice. Um, And they deliver around town, and they're like, yeah, you know, it's just a new way of life, you know? You gotta, like, I think, like, he caters to, like, some government buildings that are still open, and he has to um, take his temperature before he goes in, which I was like, holy shit, that's, like, I wouldn't even have thought of that, but it makes sense. And um, I'm trying to think if there's, like, any specific thing where COVID, like, impacted me. I I had a Easter Sunday with all my family, and everyone was on Zoom, and so that was kind of, like, one of those moments where it's like, oh... I mean, I would have done that anyways because I live away from my family, but seeing them all and, like, all my nephews and nephews, it's like, well, yeah, everyone's just, like, hanging out. Hopefully a couple more weeks, you know? Yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've been doing. Just that and hanging out Tiana and playing music. And um, this week, I don't know if I really have any plans. I'm trying to... Uh, make a demo of a tune so I can have my buddy UV maybe play drums or Rob play drums on it and then um, yeah make another conference call episode Uh, yeah so conference call is me and Ethan I make the music and Ethan makes the videos and it's kind of like a day in the life of like a generic being from 
work and it tries to display in my mind like what goes on in their mind in the subconscious during like their uh, slice of life, I guess, slice of pie, yeah. Is that what you would call it? <laughs> so it's like, it's kind of based in like a TV episodic point of view where um, you get like a little snippet of what day it is and and a little like meeting agenda where it says um, kind of like what's going on in this or that person's life and just with those little cues and with the music and video it's supposed to like paint like a hypnotic picture into hopefully like a TV episode of off of those hints. Man, yeah, I'm totally rambling, but does that make any sense? <laughs> this week's episode was kind of like a more laid back, um, I honestly have no preference to the episode. It's kind of just like, a, um, it's like a bubble bath and um, you kind of just are relaxing.
Bender comes after him. It's a program. <laughs>